Amen. Good morning. We celebrated our sixth year anniversary last Sunday as a church family. Praise God. How many of us are so blessed last Sunday by Rise Worship and the, the young girls doing the dance and worship and the testimonies? Amen. How many of you were blessed last week? So powerful, so powerful. Um, praise God. And, and Nedra and Caroline, they came up at the end. And they actually uh, prophesied, and they prayed us into our seventh year. We're in our seventh year, church. Give God praise. Give God praise. We're in our seventh year. Hallelujah. And I said it last week, and I want to say it again uh, this morning, that I heard the Lord say that we've experienced breakthrough in this house. Amen. We have experienced breakthrough, but the Lord said, but now get ready for the follow-through. Get ready for the follow-through, many have gotten a breakthrough, but the path is much more narrow for the ones that follow through. And the Lord is calling us to embrace a fruit of the Spirit that is one of the most least talked about fruits of the spirits, and that is perseverance. It's time for the follow-through, church. It's time for the follow-through. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So that's where I want us to begin this morning, church, is I want us to embrace the fruit of the Spirit that is perseverance. So right here with me, begin praying across the room, praying across the house with me. Come on, begin to thank the Lord. Put a word of thanksgiving on your lips in the house of the Lord this morning. We thank you, God. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Embrace and engage the power and the honor and the joy of being the ones that follow through. We thank you, God, that we are called to be the ones that follow through. We thank you, Lord, and we ask that the spirit of glorious perseverance take root in us. Just begin to receive it and let perseverance and endurance take root in you, church. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, we thank you, Jesus, for your kingship and your friendship. Thank you, Lord, for your kingship and your friendship. Go ahead and just make sure you've unplugged from the world's outlet this morning. Come on, church, you've been unplugging, but make sure, just make sure before we go any further that you've unplugged from the world's outlet and be, make sure you are plugged into heaven's source of power. Heaven's source of power, we must make sure that we clearly see clearly how heaven sees things in this hour. If you're plugged into striving, unplug from that spirit. If you're plugged into fear, unplug from that spirit right now. Unplug from the uncertainty. If you're plugged into the noise of media and false accusers of the brethren, unplug, church. If you're plugged in to lack and not enough, then unplug from that spirit and plug into heaven's source this morning right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Plug it in, plug it in. I just felt it. I just felt it. <laughs> Be careful because as you plug into heaven's source, as you plug into the holy power of heaven, you might get electrocuted this morning. We thank you, God, in the most glorious way. Thank you, Lord. 
I really felt there's some people here this morning that it's time for you to ask God if the the prophetic words and the promises over your life need to be reinterpreted. You've been seeing them one way, and it's boxed you in. And more importantly, it's boxed in and limited what God wants to do in and through you. And you need a fresh reinterpretation of that word, of that promise this morning. And what you will find that is if you will let go and what you thought it was supposed to look like and allow the Spirit of God to expand your heart and your thoughts about it, then you will be overcome and you will be in awe because you will see that it's much bigger, it's much better, and it's of greater measure than you thought. It may be that you've been holding on to a peasant's crumb which has left you vulnerable by being tempted by man's slice. And the Lord is saying this morning to put it fully in his hands because he wants to give you the king's share. And the king's share is not even the whole pie. It's the whole table, church. It's the whole table. So let, allow the, let, take a moment and allow these words and these promises to be reinterpreted. It's bigger. It's greater. It's better. We're moving into a feast, church. How many of you believe we're moving into a feast? God is birthing something in you. He's birthing something in the church. He's birthing something in the earth, and we can either partner with the contractions or we can partner with the distractions. And I want to partner with the contractions, church. I want to push. I want to birth the plans and the promises of God on the earth. And I'm telling you, church, I love, I love praising the Lord when something good happens. You know, when I've got the proof where he showed up and he moved, hallelujah. I, I've had those moments. Uh, you've had those moments, but I'm so proud. And I'm so thankful for this house of believers because there is something so holy, something so holy about standing firm on the Lord God's unshakable foundation and exalting the Lord in the moments where the outcome was different than we thought. When we say, I don't know exactly what it looks like, and I may not know exactly where it's going, but I dare to believe today, God, that you are good and your mercy endures forever. And I want to just remind you and exhort you this morning, church, continue to stand firm. Continue to hold the line in your heart. Hold the line in your home. Hold the line in your prayer closet. Hold the line in your decisions to remain uncompromised. Stay awake, church, and be righteously engaged with what God is birthing and what he's calling the ecclesia of God to push and bring forth that is a new era. I want to encourage you, church, stay engaged. Stay awake. Stay awake. And so just for one more moment, I want you to go back into it and begin to make sure you're awakened and you're engaged right now. Just begin praying with me one more time. One more time. I'm going to keep moving here, but I just want us to make sure we are awake and we are engaged this morning. Awake and engaged. We thank you, God, as we push and bring forth the new era, the new era on the earth. Thank you, Lord. I know like, I know like many of you, uh, there's moments when you're hurting and when you're righteously angry about abortion and about agendas that try to take away our freedoms that we cherish and the, the freedoms we cherish for our children and our children's children in this nation. And when you see things uh, and, and, and ill-named agendas like the Equality Act being pushed in our nation, I know, I know it's difficult to watch, which, by the way, we as a leadership team, uh, we have sent letters 
uh, to our state senators representing Arise Birmingham, telling them that, that we, we asked them to vote no on H.R. 5, which is the Equality Act. And we say we oppose this, and we, we are telling them why we oppose this. But I know, I know there are moments like that when, when we see when we're hurting and we're righteously uh, angry about the indoctrination of our youth and the children in this nation. When we see our borders being handed over to the drug cartels and the child traffickers. When we're broken hearted and furious about the fastest growing criminal industry in the world of child sex slavery. I've been there. I've been there. I've been in Honduras fighting for little girls who were sold as sex slaves. And I've been there fighting for them to have a safe place of rescue and restoration. When I thought I just can't continue to hope, Lord, I can't continue to hope after seeing the evil that I just saw the day before. I've been there. I've been in the moments where it's frustrating and it's, it's difficult and, it, and it's heartbreaking. But I've also, I've also awakened the next morning and I've laced up my boots and I've said, God, you are faithful. I've said, God, you are faithful. I will not get off my assignment because, God, you are faithful. Because, Lord, you are faithful and that when you begin a good work, you are faithful and you are just to complete it. And that's the holy moment we are still in right now, church. We're still in it where we stand firm in his goodness and his character. And we say, God, you are faithful and you are moving. You are turning things around. You are taking us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, and from strength to strength. Hallelujah. Don't continue to see what's going on and think that God has taken, God has taken a step back from, our, from us and from our nation because of a poverty-driven belief that Jesus is going to return one day to get a weak and a feeble bride. Because of a poverty-driven belief to think that uh, he's returning to get a people that couldn't carry out his purposes and his plan on the earth. No, that is not who our God is. Our God, our King, is returning for a glorious, a powerful, and a triumphant bride of holy radiance that is taking dominion on the earth and that is ruling and reigning with the heart of the Father. And we stand in faith and in the Lord's strength and we say righteousness will rule. Come on, church, say righteousness will rule. Righteousness will rule. The plumb line of righteousness that has been set is only getting stronger. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Isaiah 9, 7. We are moving in ways in which we've only dreamed of in the past. And the entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. This is the moment we are in, church. It's time to be unveiled, sons and daughters of God. It's time to be unveiled, sons and daughters of God. And we stand here at the east gate of our city as gatekeepers of the king with his authority. And we say, this is pure and this is compromised. This is holy and this is profane. This comes in and this must stay out. And this must also be torn down and destroyed. There are times when God calls us to tear things down so that we can build what God wants to build. All right, we are building the Lord's house in our city and in our nation. We are not getting behind and serving a man's vision in this house. We are serving and we are building the vision of the Lord God Almighty in this house. And as Nedja shared a few weeks ago in her message, she shared that a wave of holiness is coming upon the church. 
a wave of holiness is coming upon the church. I want to build on that word this morning and say that we will be a house that lets that wave crash over us and purify us and set us apart so that we can be brought into the shores of his new era of glory on the earth. And I want to say, church, that this house, this very house, we will be a house that lights the purifying fires of holiness in many other houses of worship in this nation. The purifying fire of God is here and more is coming. And at the end of it is a miracle greater than we could have ever asked or dreamed of. I'm telling you, church. And for those of you that could care less about being rewarded in this earth, there's a promise. I'm going to say that again. For those of you who could care less about being rewarded in this earth, there is a promise. If we are doing things for fame or for self-gain or for being seen by man, then we must repent and reshift our priorities. Because the word of God says in Matthew 6, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things shall be added to us. I'm telling you, church, if the pandemic did any good, it shut down the buildings with crosses on them that were actually building man's agenda. And they had no more to do with God than the bar down the street. Jeremy, why don't you tell us what you really feel this morning? Thank you, I will. Those of you listening online, we have people listening online and watching. If you are at a church and your, and your pastor is still self-preserving by avoiding the issues of abortion, if your pastor is still self-preserving by avoiding godly marriage between a man and a woman, and avoiding the inerrancy of the Holy Scriptures, avoiding the truth and the power and the moving and purifying fire of the Holy Spirit, it may be time for you to go. You may not need to stay there for the sake of ministering to them because it could be keeping you from soaring and finishing your training. And church, we've got to get the eagles out of the turkey yard. Church, we've got to get the eagles out of the turkey yard. 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21 says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every, prepared for every good work. I love the culture of honor. It has been... Uh, vital to the body of Christ for the past season we've been in, and it's it's a blessing as we move forward. But if the culture of honor is not submitted to the full counsel of the Scriptures, then in the name of honor, it will not address and call out vessels of dishonor. It doesn't stand up in boldness and say that's holy and that's profane, that's pure and that's compromised. Let's just honor and meet people where they are at. Meanwhile, sin is tearing apart their life, is tearing apart their marriages and their families, and it's being not just tolerated but now celebrated in our nation. Meanwhile, the devil is discipling a nation from the high places of influence when we are honoring people and coddling people and allowing the saints to be deduced to victims rather than victorious, set-apart warriors in the ecclesia of God. 
And if you want to send this to some pastors, you know, I want to address pastors listening that may listen to this. It's not too late, pastors. It's not too late to grow a kingdom backbone and to begin to stand up for the unborn from your pulpit. To begin to stand up for righteousness. To begin to stand up for young girls and boys being sold as sex slaves because of the demand of pornography, which many Christians in our churches are feeding. 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women view pornography regularly. And recently on a Wednesday night, Slade and Ann Margaret Smith, they shared their powerful testimony with, and Slade said, said something so profound. He said, I'm now addicted to freedom. He said, I'm addicted to freedom. Hallelujah. We've got to become addicted to freedom. And I want to build on that word from Slade and say that we need pastors who become addicted to preaching the unashamed holy word of God and the truth that will set people free. And then a few Sundays ago, I released this word, and I want to share it with you again. The word was, I see King Jesus strong and mighty in battle, summoning the ones who are called to birth the purposes of God in this hour. He's saying, bring forth the ones who bring forth the ones who will push. This is a supernatural birth. And the Lord said, I need the ones on the front lines who are willing to push. I see the prophetic intercessors and the reformers of God pushing together with holy grit in their teeth and celebration in their hearts. So first, I want to I want to encourage the prophetic intercessors in the body to continue being faithful in your call to prayer. Because James 5.16 says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I'm seeing uh, intercessors where your timely prayers as led by the Holy Spirit, they're awakening more and more reformers of God. And I believe we've already seen it happen, but there will, there will even be more divine visitations and moments where the prayers of the intercessors are landing on people in such a way that they can't even sleep until they get up. They can't even sleep until they get up and do the right thing, until they align themselves and take a stand for the Lord. So keep praying, church. Keep praying, intercessors. Uh, Secondly, on that word, I want to look deeper at this birthing. Because Proverbs Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So I believe we need to gain Wisdom and understanding through the Holy One of what it is he is wanting to birth. So like Hannah experienced in the scriptures, what we are seeing is that the womb, uh, when something is being uh, birthed, the womb can get frustrated. And we're seeing a bit of a frustrated womb because God always does things different than we expect. We see it in scripture. We see it throughout history. You see, Hannah was wanting a child. She knew she was destined to birth and have a child, but it wasn't until she gave it fully to God. This is what she said. She said, I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And once she said that and gave it to the Lord, then she gave birth to Samuel. And so we are in an hour where we must give things fully to the Lord, to God, to see the birthing, which means we must also understand what it is that God is wanting from us. Because we know that it's for his glory and it is for our good. Hallelujah. So what does God want to do to glorify his son that includes the nations as his inheritance? For 13 years, Abraham, he thought that Ishmael was the move of God, but Isaac was coming. 
You see, we always want this uh, revival move of God that looks a specific way. But I want to show you why revival is a bit of an adolescent solution to the problem in America. All right, we must understand that revival is for awakening amongst believers in the church. It's about reviving something that has no life. It's about Christians awakening to the Lord, to the supernatural. It's about recovering our first love, and we need revival, church. We need it. There must be revival in, a, in the house. But then, as I said in my message months ago, a house for the nations, uh, we must allow the revival we are experiencing in the Lord to bring us into his refinement into his refining fire, but then we must take this awakening revival and this transforming, refining holy fire to the earth. That's where we move into reformation. Can you say reformation? That's where we go you therefore into all the world. If revival is a move of God amongst his people, then reformation is the move of God's people. If revival is a move of God amongst his people, then reformation is the move of God's people. You see, revival is personal and reformation is institutional. Revival is like Rachel and reformation is like Leah. And you see, everyone wants Rachel. Jacob, Jacob fell in love with, Ra- with Rachel because she was so beautiful. And then you see, Leah, she was over here, the, the, attractive, the unattractive other sister. No one seems to want Leah because it requires perseverance, church. No one wants Leah because it requires submitting fully to the timing and to the way in which God wants to move. But no one seems to want Leah, yet Leah was what produced the tribe of Judah, church. And you, little Bethlehem, are not insignificant among the clans of Judah, for out of you will emerge the shepherd king of my people Israel, Matthew 2.6. The savior of the world came from the line of the woman that he didn't want. So if revival breaks out, are you with me, church? If revival breaks out, yet we don't move into reformation and occupy the gates of influence, then Jesus said in Matthew 12, he said, the house is swept clean and in order, but not occupied. And if not, then the devil will come back with seven more spirits. That's why we actually see where areas that experience revival, uh, a lot of times they often end up being worse than before the revival came. That's why we've experienced different revivals in our nation before, but yet we're here in this moment, and now we're saying we've got to wake up and take back territory. Because revival didn't lead to reformation where the gates of influence were occupied. The devil doesn't care about how big your church is. He cares about how much influence you have at the gates of power. The Lord says, build my church, but build doesn't mean in size, but in strength. I'll take healthy, small, and strong over compromised, comfortable, and big all day long. So reformation, it deals with the structures in a society and in a nation. And the gates of power, they can also be talked about here as the seven mountains of influence. Okay, the seven mountains of influence in a nation or the seven mountains of culture. So what I want to show you here 
Uh, if you can do your best to see this, what I want to show you here is the seven mountains. And these seven mountains of culture or seven mountains of influence, and I'll move out of the way in a second, they are religion, the mountain of religion. They are the mountain of family. The mountain of education and academia. The mountain of government, which also includes law. The mountain of media. The mountain of arts and entertainment. And then the mountain of business. Okay, these are the seven mountains. Uh, Lauren Cunningham, who is the founder of Youth with a Mission, known as YWAM, uh, he called them the mind molders. Okay, and then uh, Dr. Bill Bright of Campus Crusade for Christ, he called them world kingdoms. Okay, those two, uh, Dr. Bill Bright and Lauren Cunningham, they were the first two to actually activate this revelation uh, from the Lord. And since then, Lance Wallnow, Johnny Enlow, Bill Johnson, amongst others, uh, they've called them the seven mountains. Okay, each of these seven mountains, they actually represent an individual sphere of influence that shapes the way people think. These mountains, they're crowned with high places, high places that modern-day kings, they occupy as ideological strongholds. And the higher you go up in these areas, the more influence you possess. And Satan knows this. And so what Satan does is he actually goes for these high places so that he can be the one to shift culture. And so for too long, we've sat back and we've watched, we've watched as the devil has discipled our cities and nation from these high places. And now, church, we are taking back responsibility and ownership of our cities and our nation. Because we as God's people, we are called to protect the territories in which he's given us and to occupy the ground, occupy the gates. All right, now Matthew 13, 25, it says, But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. When the church is asleep and we do not occupy the fields, the mountains of influence, our nations are not only vulnerable to the enemy, but they're also being aggressively cultivated right underneath our noses. And I've got to be honest with you, these places of influence that have been illegitimately been occupied on this mountains, they're actually coming after the church right now. They're coming after God's people. But I'm here to say this morning that it's not their, their mountain to occupy. It's illegitimate. It's not their mountain. It's ours. It's the ecclesia of God's. And we're going to take back that in which the Lord God has given us. So we must be activated to occupy and bring reformation into the high places of our cities and nations so that the systems of the world can be changed from the top down. That's what we're going after. And this is what kingdom advancement looks like as we move forward in this season in purity and in power and in boldness. And as I was saying earlier, as we move forward in wisdom. All right, when the church preaches the gospel and transforms the culture, that's when we've got kingdom. I'm going to say that again. When the church preaches the gospel and transforms culture, that's when we've got kingdom. So we've got church, 
plus gospel plus culture, and that's when we have kingdom. The church plus the gospel plus the culture equals kingdom because all three need to align the church, gospel, and culture to bring reformation. It's advancement and it's harvest. It's harvest and it's advancements. We, we harvest and we advance, we advance and we harvest. And when we think that the religion mountain is the only spiritual mountain, then we actually create a divide. We actually create a great uh, divide between the church and between culture. And so why is it that uh, Protestants and Catholics uh, actually make up a 70% majority in the U.S. population and actually have a, a, a majority consensus on key matters like marriage and abortion, yet we still have been incapable at this point of creating a movement that sees lasting repentance and transformation? In fact, for one example, uh, gay rights and agendas that attack biblical God-designed marriage between a man and a woman, they've only increased. And they're actually continuing to increase when the gay and the LGBTQ groups, they only represent around 5% of the population. Why is this, church? Because a small percentage of the population, they can shape the agenda if they are aligned and deployed in the right places. Do you see this? And so it's time that sons and daughters of God, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, get in the right places, which is the high places of influence, and begin to lead and begin to build and begin to shape and disciple our cities and our nation. A remnant can change the battle, church. A remnant can change the battle. It's time. And the mandate is to be the church that raises up disciples who go into all the world into all the world. And what happens is uh, too often we focus on changing the world from within this religion mountain. We focus on changing it uh, from that mountain. And instead of that, uh, we should be releasing the church into the marketplace and influencing all the mountains, which is called kingdom. If you can see this, I'm drawing one big mountain over all the other mountains. This is called kingdom. This is called kingdom. Because Isaiah 2.2, it says, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and all the nations shall flow through it. His kingdom is what we want. It's his kingdom. We want to dwell here in the high place seated above. And we want to bring his kingdom to the earth and to the high places of the earth to bring influence. Your, amen. Thank you, Joni. Amen. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus came to, bre- to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, that, that's just clear as can be, right? Can you see that? Isn't that crystal clear? Woo! <laughs> okay, so you do not need to know everything about every sphere, uh, but you do need to master your own sphere. You need to master your own sphere by seeking out the wisdom of God of that sphere, of that mountain. How does he think about that mountain? How does he see that mountain? 
uh, that's a good place to start. Okay, church, Lord, how do you see this mountain that I have an assignment on? How do you see this mountain that I'm called to and that I'm operating in? Uh, if you're stirred by this this morning, I just want you to write that down in your notes. And this week, at some point this week, I want you to take some time, write it down and say, begin to ask the Lord this week, Lord, how do you see this mountain I'm called to? That I'm in. How do you think about this mountain, Lord? That's where we start. That's where you Because we are the salt of the earth. We are salt and we are light. You are the light of the world. It says in Matthew 5, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. A city upon a hill, there's no way it can be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We are church. We are healers. We are keepers of the gate. We are mighty reformers of God. We are a people. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are God's special possession. We are the ones that bring breakthrough, and we are the ones that follow through. We are set apart. We are the church of the living God. We are the ones that arise and shine, for his glory has risen upon us. Let's stand up, church. We are the ones that arise and shine, for his glory has risen upon us. I'm going to commission you. I'm going to commission you this morning into a greater sphere of influence. You are a powerful people in this house. This is a cultivated harvest in this room. And you're much more ready than you think you are, church. I'm going to say it again. You are much more ready than you think you are. So what I want to do is I want to ask you all across the room to lift your hands to the heavens, both hands to the heavens, and just begin to receive. Thank you, Lord. You will ascend the mountains with purity. You will ascend the mountains with power, with boldness, and you will ascend the mountains with wisdom. You will release and advance the gospel of the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. This is a Paul and a Barnabas in Antioch moment. They were ministering as priests before the Lord, and then the Holy Spirit said that they were to be set apart. So the church in Antioch, they laid hands on them, and they sent them off as apostles. They sent them off. They're ministering to the Lord. Then the Holy Spirit said, lay hands on them, set them apart, and send them off into the earth. So fivefold uh, leadership team, can you come up and face the church and extend your hands towards them as we commission them uh, together? Come on, church. I want to ask you to begin praying in the Spirit right now all across the room. As you feel led, just begin to receive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I commission you right now to be set apart by the hands of the Lord. Set apart by the hand of God. God is about to send you. 
He's about to send you at a whole new level. And this commissioning, it doesn't necessarily mean that you haven't been doing what you're called to do. It means that it's time for an upgrade, for an upgrade in the level in which you're doing it. Angels are in this room. The glory and the power of God is in the house. It's coming upon you. Many of you are going to begin feeling it tangibly in your hands right now. Thank you, God. I sense there's a few people in the back. You're getting commissioned right now in power. You're getting commissioned in power. There's people up front. You're getting commissioned in power. There's people all throughout the house getting commissioned in power and in glory. We thank you, God. The first assignment of Paul and Barnabas was to go to a government leader who was consulted by a sorcerer. So their very first appointment was to deal with government and to break witchcraft. Church, this is a supernatural commissioning that requires the Holy Spirit and spiritual authority. So right now, I bless you with the Holy Spirit and spiritual authority right now in the name of Jesus. Assignments, mountains, commissioning of the king, reformation fire from heaven right now. Thank you, God. Feel free to come forward if you need to. Feel free to stay where you are. Feel free to get out in the aisles, whatever you need to do to continue to receive from God. Receive what he is doing right. Thank you, God. Advance and harvest. We advance and we harvest, church. We advance and we harvest. The entire verse is standing on tiptoe, yearning, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. Standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. Be unveiled, sons and daughters. church you be free from the room whenever you feel released come on forward I want to lay hands on you if you want to come on forward we've got the 5-fold team to lay hands on you prayer ministry team come up if you need healing if you need someone to pray and agree with you come pray with them hallelujah hallelujah we advance and we harvest we advance and we harvest church unveil it's the unveiling of the glorious sons and daughters of God It's the great unveiling of the glorious sons and daughters of God. 